Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, Sharon, welcome back. It's good to see you again. Yeah, you've changed so much in thirty minutes. The last hour, so (laughs) you know that's what we do here at Midyear. Yes, we do. You know, we continue to crank these things out. Um, We do. Yeah. So we want to first. We want to say welcome to our listeners, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've got another great topic lined up. Yeah. And actually, this one we weren't even planning on. I know you wrestled this one up. Those are the best ones. It's going to be. Well, what are we talking about? Uh, well, you wrestled this one up, but I know the background. <laughs> um, we are going to be talking about Havana, and we're going to talk about what that is. And this is an issue that has been ongoing since, gosh, whenever I was president in 2014, and we thought this was an issue we were going to put to bed by the end of my term at 2015, and Lord, were we naive. Yes, so Havana is the Association of Veterans Affairs Nurse Anesthetists. Very good. haven't changed that anesthesiologist yet. 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 (laughs) Uh, All right, and today we have Diane Betger with us, and Diane is going to kind of introduce herself and Tell us why this is an important topic. Hi there. Welcome, Jeremy and Sharon. And I'm a great, huge fan of the podcast. As Jeremy said, my name is Diane Betger. I'm a former president of Avana, the Association of VA Nurse Anesthetists. And what we are as an organization, we represent the more than 1,000 CRNAs that work within the Veterans Health Administration in multiple different facilities across the country. There are currently approximately about over 130 VA facilities that employ CRNAs in a variety of different practice models. And let me speak, first of all, I have since retired from the Veterans Administration, hence I could speak somewhat um, more 
Freely. Openly. Freely, openly, <laughs> because as, an, as a federal employee, while I was um, the president of Havana, I was asked uh, numerous times to speak. And as a government employee, you must seek um, permission of the Public Affairs Department. And you can never be seen as speaking for or of things that are happening for the government. So that's how I got wrestled into this. <laughs> I happened to be walking by. So, yeah, um, well... Probably a lot of our listeners are not aware, number one, of the association, though we've worked very hard over the last few years to educate um, CRNAs within the AANA about Havana. But tell about your structure and how you guys become Good president, president-elect, all of that for our listeners. Well, first of all, Havana is a totally independent organization. It's a professional organization. You can only be a member if you're actively employed for the Veterans Health Administration, uh, or you can be a retired member, but um, you cannot, we do not receive any funding from any organizations. We're not a sister organization of the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists. We're not a sister organization of the Association of VA Anesthesiologists. Mm. There is an AVAA, which would be similar to the ASA and the AVAA, to my understanding, does receive some support from the ASA. Mm -hmm. um, but we, as an independent organization, our sole funds come from membership dues. So to be a member of Havana, you have to pay $125 annually, and that is in addition to your AANA dues. So the AANA dues, some of that portion goes back to the states, but no portion of that goes back to the VA. So we've always been very appreciative of the AANA's support to advocate for our issues and to speak on the behalf of the multiple VA CRNAs across the country. And I believe when you asked about our organization, you were asking about the organization itself. Because it's a volunteer organization, a grassroots organization, we have a board of directors similar to the AANA, and um, our trustees are somewhat geographically based, but do not have to live within that geography. So we have an Eastern, Western, Southern, and Central District Board of Directors, Regional Directors, they're called, as well as a director at large. A president, a president-elect, secretary, treasurer, and there's also an executive director. We, um, while I was president, we did actually hire an association management because everything was done literally on our own computers with our own time. We now have the, um, a great ability to have managing association helping us, and that's been a tremendous help. But you're elected every year. There's an election in alternate years. That either the executive board or the regional directors are chosen, and it's a two-year term. To be president or president-elect, you have to have served at least one full term, either as a regional director or as either secretary or treasurer. Um, president-elect then moves on to president, so that's a four-year commitment when you are nominated and elected. And the executive director has to have served as president in the past. So most commonly, it's a six-year step into it, but it is the executive director position is appointed. I have currently just finished up a role as a consultant to the board because there was um, the executive director needed to have some time. So um, I've been a volunteer consultant for the last few months. So, so Diane, you said there's a thousand CRNAs working in the system. How many MDs? Well, know? actually, it's almost the same. It's okay. like 1,100 so of each. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, the now this is the employed 
MDs. Okay. One thing that number does not include is that a men- number of the VA facilities also contract for anesthesiologists. Uh, so okay. for example, there's a VA facility in Pennsylvania that has a number of CRNAs and I believe only one or two anesthesiologists, but they contract out with um, hmm. anesthesiologists to cover the call. So there's 1,100 that we know of that are em- employed with the VA. Well, so it's about even. Yeah. yeah. So how long has this organization been in existence about 45 years because when you were um i was uh more than that because at least seven years ago we celebrated our 40th anniversary okay it was i think 1972 i want to say but okay i I didn't have that detail sorry oh that's that's (laughs) just fine you know you know that jeremy multiplies license plates (laughs) in his head as he's going down the road so all you had to do is give him give him a couple (laughs) numbers and he could have spit it out he's like an adding machine so you know one of uh, the agenda items is to establish full practice authority Let's talk about that a little bit and what's going on with that. And obviously, there might be a couple hurdles to that in the way. So. <laughs> yes, a couple. <laughs> when you talk about agenda items, we every year we've come up with what we call our legislative agenda, meaning what the Havana wants to work toward. And full practice authority is something, as Sharon said, we've been working for for years. And in 2016, when then Secretary of Veterans Affairs Shulkin chose to selectively keep out CRNAs from receiving full practice when all the other APRNs were given it, he did put in there a timeline that it would be revisited in Mm. six years, which is this year. Right. And that's, of course, why you'll see so much written in literature and so much opposition from other organizations and our colleagues. I say that because there are colleagues who are saying that CRNAs within the VA should not receive full practice authority. One of the things that Havana has worked very hard to do is we've now gotten truly a seat at the table at VA central office and that we now have CRNAs that have been detailed to work with VA central office to put together national practice standards. That's something that we've really been working toward. Mm -hmm. The term full practice authority that just means that everything you've been educated to do, you can do. But nurses, when they take a job, they're given a job description, a scope of practice. The nurses across the VA all can do the same things. CRNAs across the VA can't all do the same things because there's not a national standard uh. of what a CRNA is and mm. can do. And that's what we in Havana are really working toward getting. And what full practice authority for the nurse practitioners what they were able to achieve and attain. Because um, one of the things I like to describe it as CRNAs, when you have a job description within the VA, we frequently have what's called a scope of practice. That's mm-hmm. You can do that within your scope of practice. But by getting full practice authority, the advanced practice nurses, the nurse practitioners and CNS were able to then have privileging documents. So an APRN who's in oncology functions similar but not the same to an APRN who's in pulmonology. Mm. They all can see their patients, admit their patients, do evaluations, whether or not they have prescriptive authority, but the pulmonology APRN may be putting chest tubes in as opposed to the oncology APRN who may be administering high-dose chemotherapy. So those privileging specifics are things that are more specific as opposed to a basic 
privileging document. And by having a national practice standards, then all CRNAs have the ability, when you see your patient, to introduce yourself, to obtain, whether it's consent, a plan of care, things that we've all been educated and trained to do. I may never choose to be the one that administers that regional anesthetic, Mm-hmm. but I want to be able to have that option. Right. There are CRNAs who are fellowship trained within the VA, who've gone through pain fellowships, and they have the credentials, but depending upon who they are working with and in what institution, they, not, they may not be given permission or allowed to be the one that administers that pain procedure or even just that regional anesthetic. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Well, let's back up for just a minute. And for our listeners, we have a lot of registered nurses who listen to us. Uh, We have a lot of students that listen to us. And to just give a little bit of context to this situation, nurse anesthetists have full practice authority in all four branches of the service. Correct. Correct. But you can do... Everything have full practice authority when you're deployed and where bombs are falling on you and you're getting shot at because you're all front line because the anesthesiologists do not go to the front lines by and large because they're too valuable. Too valuable. Hmm. That's what it says in their literature. They're too hmm. valuable to be risked on the front lines. So tell me. You can do all of this when you get patients whose limbs are blown off. They're actively in a trauma situation. But you come back home and work in the VA system because you want to continue taking care of our soldiers or, you know. But you can't do what you just did yesterday today. Not only can't you do what you just did yesterday, We have a number of people who are not only on our board, but members who have been to Afghanistan, came back. They were on the forward surgical operating teams. They were on Mm -hmm. those ghost teams, came back and literally had to be supervised, medically directed, one-to-one to to do cataracts or colonoscopies. One-to-one. All right, wait just a minute. That's extremely frustrating. Um, Wow. Flying across the ocean or whatever, your IQ drops the further away uh, (laughs) that you get from uh, the active combat areas. Is that how it works? (laughs) 
It I mean, it makes no <laughs> logical sense at all. It does make all. no logical sense. And that's the, those are the stories that we tell yeah. when we go and speak to, to veteran service organizations, to legislators, to our peers, to the registered nurses. Because surprisingly, I know none of you here are surprised, but many of the registered nurses who work with us do not understand our role. They mm. truly believe that the doctor orders it and that we do according to the doctor's orders. And, and unless The ones here. I'm sure, surely in the forward operating no, surgical place, I mean, they see what's they see. really happening. And, and but so it's many when of you get back here to the VA. Now, I will say I think we have to take some ownership of that also, that we're not telling nurses what we do and clarifying our roles for them. But to get back to the point, this is really of importance and tell why it is and what is happening in the VA facilities and how that is affecting our veterans. Well, as far back as 2017, when there were some facilities that have proven that they were having veterans not having appropriate access to their care, cases were what they called stacked or put on hold because a physician anesthesiologist in that facility wasn't available to be supervising a one-to-one or one-to-two, an outrageous thing, when there would be four or five CRNAs, but the anesthesiologist would be either coming off call or have administrative time or have other things so that they were not the entire shift within the facility. So back um, about four years ago, that hit the headlines. But right now, to answer your first question, with taking away the supervision regulations, as happened right after COVID came about, it did away with the necessity for supervision, not only in many of the states, but also um, across the VA facilities. And when that happened, there wasn't like uh, bodies all over the place. There was not outrageous (laughs) outcomes. So we've proven that there's not a negative impact from that. That did not necessarily change, however, the day-to-day work or the day-to-day workflow within each VA facility so that if they had a scope of practice that said they were going to be medically directed, if that's how you were employed, then that still had to continue. And how that directly affected the access for the veterans is as people were no longer there or... Um, in the case of during the height of COVID, when people were off, whether they were sick or had to be quarantined or had to be isolated, then those numbers of providers were lower. So cases either were stacked, put off, delayed, canceled, or not scheduled to begin with. So it definitely has affected veterans' access to care. And Mm -hmm. what we have been suggesting is to enable to have these national standards practice, full practice authority. If there's a CRNA that's available, a CRNA can perform that procedure. Hmm. We are not in any way, shape, or form trying to get away with or do away with or eliminate the role of a physician anesthesiologist, but perhaps the practice model would change so that instead of having a medically directed, which is a one-to-one or a one-to-two, or a medically supervised role, which is a greater than one to two, maybe one to four, one to five, having more of a collaborative role, but still having the presence of anesthesiologists. We are not trying to have any of these 1,000 or however many anesthesiologists lose their jobs, but perhaps they would be the one that would manage the room, that would actually do the hands-on anesthetic. 
Well, the reality is none of us practice in a vacuum. None of us. And there's enough work to go around. So we're not going to put anybody out of a job. Well, I mean, you know, I do see that viewpoint, though. I mean, if you've got 1,100 CRNAs and 1,100 MDs, and you change that ratio from one to one, one to two, oh, or yeah. one to five. I mean, now we only need 200 MDs, and that's probably where their mind goes automatically. Go ahead. And now. so it, rather than thinking of it that way, think of it as 200 MDs doing a supervisory role and 800 MDs performing working? the much-needed pain <laughs> services. Did you say working? much-needed pain <laughs> services and, and so many of the things that are on backlog. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. How do you clear the backlog? I, I want to go back to, for just a second to, to COVID. Now, you mentioned that. Now, what types of roles did the CRNAs play during COVID? Again, um, there's a saying within the VA that if you've been to one VA, you've been to one VA. And what that <laughs> means is so many VAs do things differently. Huh, and and, and I can speak to that directly because when I was president, I would get multiple calls from people, um, CRNAs that were in Kansas working and functioning independently who in the middle of the night, they couldn't write for Zofran because they had forgotten to give it, or, you know, but then they couldn't write for it, even though there wasn't a physician anesthesiologist present, things like that that have happened. So to answer your question about COVID. In some VA facilities, nurse anesthetists were detailed, or what that means is your roles changed and you move perform a different responsibility and um, worked either in the intensive care unit, some as staff nurses, or as in the case of my facility, we went and we did um, cross-trained and cross-trained as advanced practice nurses in our intensive care unit. In my facility, they also buddied us with an anesthesiologist, which was a little um, different, but we managed airways, 24-hour airway service, because with COVID and people were first become, you know, how are we going to handle this and having to don and doff the PPE. That was one of the roles. Another one of the roles was that CRNAs in some facilities did work in the recovery room or um, managed the services. Some of the independent facilities, CRNAs expanded their roles and also covered um, airway management as well. So unlike many of my colleagues um, who may have worked in the private sector that may have been laid off, to my knowledge, I do not believe there were any CRNAs within the Veterans Health Administration that were laid off during this time period. Our roles may have changed. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Well, let's talk a little bit about why the huge pushback. And and we're going to be very transparent here. And for the listeners out there who may or may not be aware We've been working on this since 2014, and I can remember going to Washington, D.C. whenever I was president talking about this issue, and we were told that for the other 
three specialties of APRN practice, they had received about an inch high um, stack of letters against granting full practice authority to the other three APRN groups. I'm five foot eight with heels on, I'm six foot tall, and they said that the stack of letters that they had received was as tall as I was against granting full practice authority to CRNAs in the VA. And what that amounts to is the VA is the largest healthcare system there is in the United States. And how the VA goes, so goes the world Mm -hmm. in the U.S. So goes the U.S. So what does that boil down to? Fear Mm -hmm. of the other side. And that's why they are coming at this issue with with everything that they have. Now, um, do I fault them for that? Yes, I do. <laughs> but on the other hand, I understand why why they're doing this because it's there's real fear because if we get this through in the VA, that's precedent. Yep. But I believe there's another reason why and it's I'm sitting right beside the money guy. Why don't you tell him? It's all about money. It's all about the money. I mean, if you follow the money, you'll figure out where, why this is getting blocked. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, you know, yeah, Sharon, I mean, it's fear. And again, you know, I can't fault them for being afraid of this. I mean, you know, every study out there says CRNAs give great anesthetics and anesthesiologists give great anesthetics. Uh, But who gives the most? It's CRNAs. And... You know, the bottom line is if we could take money out of health care, it'd probably run a whole lot more efficiently. Does that mean I don't get paid, Jerry? That might mean you don't get paid either. <laughs> well, <I'd laughs> but but it's never going to happen. You know, I mean, yeah, it's 20% of GDP. But, you know, to me, this this whole battle, the reason the ASA is backing, you know, the MDs, as you just said, um, is because when one falls, mm-hmm. the other shoe's going to come, and they're going to fight it extremely hard. Um, but... You know, uh, just keep the battle up. I mean, it's been how many years now? That's true. That's true. So what can CRNAs do, other CRNAs outside of the VA? I mean, we're fighting for a 1,000 CRNAs who work for the VA. And it's it's an important battle for all CRNAs to take up and go into arms for. Because if you let a piece of the pie slip away, then... Again, back to the very same thing that you mm-hmm. said. You let one domino fall, then yep. other dominoes are going to fall after that. So Absolutely. this is an, an important issue. And I am proud to say the AANA has thrown all of their weight behind this issue, yeah. as well as CRNAs all across the country. That's one thing I can say. CRNA is all across the country. When we come to mid-year assembly in Washington, D.C., I've been coming for years. And the VA issue is frequently mm-hmm. a page on our one-pagers. Right. We make it a point to go in to speak with legislators who are on the House and Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. But it's not so much that we want this domino to start this fall. It's that we are advocating for our profession to have everyone recognize that we have the ability, we have the skill set, we have more than enough providers to do the work that we need to do. And 
I truly believe that by setting national practice standards for CRNAs across the VA, we are not going to be doing away with physician anesthesiologists. And even by granting CRNAs within the VA full practice authority, we are nothing more than allowing us to practice to the highest scope. Right. And there are many CRNAs who work either in the anesthesia care team or people we've met as colleagues who are apprehensive or fearful of this. And as I say to everyone else, just because you're that APRN that works in pulmonary doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going to be the one putting in the chest tube. So mm -hmm. mm. back to the first analogy, if, if it's not something you're comfortable doing, they're not going to force you to do what you're not capable, comfortable, and qualified to perform. Well, on the other hand, practice is not going to change overnight exactly. anywhere. It doesn't matter what's no. written on the paper, okay? It's, it's just not going to change. Um, some models will always be the same. Now, to Jeremy's point, when it gets down to uh, the dollar sign, there'll be changes made because think about what could we do with all of that money that would still be in the system but help the veterans that were right. there to serve who have have given so much for us to have our freedoms and everything else. Well, I mean, it's such an expensive system. You know, I think about Atrium Healthcare oh, yes, in, Charlotte, in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, they went in a few years ago and basically let all their anesthesiologists go and said, hey, we're going to allow CRNAs to work up to their full scope. And we're going to fit anesthesiologists in where we need them. And it saved billions of dollars, millions upon millions of dollars every year. And CRNAs are allowed to do things they weren't allowed to do before. And it's worked perfectly. I mean, Atrium's deaths haven't gone up from this. Um, so you're starting to get notice of it. And eventually, the government's got to pay attention to this. I mean, this is a very costly scenario, not only in lives, because these veterans aren't getting the care they need because of the backlog, but also in dollar terms, it's very costly. So again, something's got to change. It's just a matter of when and, you know, but it's going to change. The other thing I wanted to cover here was, you know, the opioid crisis. Can we talk a little bit about that and maybe CRNA's role in that and how they can help? This is actually one of the things that we did put onto our um, legislative agenda a couple years ago because many of the CRNAs within the AANA, we talk about opioid crisis, we talk about ERAS, um, mm. the enhanced recovery after surgery, the different opioid sparing techniques we can do and perform in our daily anesthetics. And sometimes that might or might not include a regional anesthetic technique to augment the primary anesthetic goes back to my example earlier of a CRNAs that would be trained in regionals or fellowship trained might be able to do that in addition to. But more importantly, the CRNAs are definitely an underutilized ability to help with this opioid crisis. Um, CRNAs within the VA, many of us are credentialed in battlefield acupuncture. It's a technique that Again, you mentioned being on the battlefield. It involves putting acupuncture needles sure. around the ear. It helps a lot with um, anxiety and mm. PTSD. And some of the VA facilities, CRNAs, are actually uh, the forefront of bringing this mm. technique into our anesthetic realm, in addition to the ERAS protocols and the different regional anesthetics. But we all know CRNAs are the experts in pain management. Yes. And we can be the solution to the opioid crisis just by changing the way we do our anesthetics.
And Diane, real quick, why don't you tell all the CRNAs out there how they can really help you in Havana? Actually, they can help the Association of VA Nurse Anesthetists by becoming a friend of Havana. Mm. Um, CRNAs, individuals, schools, state associations can partner with Havana through either our QR code here at the Mid-Year Assembly or through our website, which is www.vacrna. They can go through our website and donate as a friend of Havana. We have three different levels, anywhere from $50 up. And we have multiple state associations that have become a friend of Havana, as well as organizations, anyone that has to do with nurse anesthetists. So what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? That the VA CRNAs love our job. We absolutely love taking care of the veterans, and that's the one thing I do miss most, having retired from the VA. Because every day I went to work, I met a hero. And I would go home and tell my family I fell in love with another hero today. (laughs) Oh, my God, I love that. (laughs) It's true, Sharon. It really is true. Because, but uh, also that we had to educate our heroes because they knew who we were when we were on the battlefield. And as you said, many of the coworkers and the people who are veterans understand our role and but there's a lot of negative publicity from the other side that we're trying to get rid of someone else or make oh, everything sure. nurse-driven. That's, that's uh, really the message I want to send is that the Havana, the Association mm-hmm. of VA Nurse Anesthetists, was really started as a networking organization. Our focus is on education, not just of other CRNAs, but as of the public, of our patients, the veterans, and of our legislators so that people understand who we are and what we do and that we do it safely. Absolutely. I don't think I could have said it any better. Um, uh, no, <laughs> you know, I'm going to Croatia for the international meeting, and I'm just wondering if my IQ will go down as I go across the ocean. It probably <laughs> will, I'm just going to say. <laughs> well, thank you for representing us there. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think that's pretty much a wrap, Sharon. I think it is. Yeah. Um, Diane, we want to thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all you do, and congratulations on your retirement. Yeah. Well, that's a semi-retirement. I I know, but retirement (laughs) from the VA. You're not giving. I said I failed retirement because I've gone back, and now I work for a CRNA-employed group. Okay. Well, good. It's even better. Just as a failed retirement. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and... Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help it grow, Sharon, how can they help us grow? Well, the best way is to leave us a review, but make it... Positive. There's enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. Tell all your friends. Share it on social media and spread the word we're in the top 50 medical podcast in the country and we are racing to number one we're gonna have a million downloads this year i know we made our first million jeremy i feel (laughs) richer already (laughs) Uh, until next time it's a wrap Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr 
at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call them at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.